Andy Stamey. What is up, buddy? What is going on, Josh? Thank you for having me, buddy. No problem, man. Thank you for coming on here, man. Uh, really quick, just for the listeners who might not know, uh, do you care to introduce yourself? Uh, my name's Randy, the real deal Stamey. Um, I'm a former former professional MMA fighter turned to video game streamer. So that's me. That is awesome, man. I love it. Um, so how <clears throat> how did the uh, like the process happen? I guess to get you from professional fighting essentially into like the the league of professional gaming. Well, I mean, I was I was started into it when I was still fighting. Um, I didn't get to do it as much as I do now, but I did start when I was in fighting it. And I've always played video games since I was a little kid. Um, so I've, I've always been into games. It's always been a big part of my life, believe it or not. I know that sounds terrible, but it, games have always been... I've always... Um, I guess it's the competitive aspect. Same reason I got into fighting. I wanted to be competitive. I wanted to compete. It's the same thing with gaming. They go hand in hand with each other. Um, I want to compete against the best in the gaming and get better and better till I'm one of the best, if not the best. Um, so uh, really it was just the competitive competitiveness um, that drew me to it. And I really uh, just stopped fighting uh, a few years ago just because life happened. You know, I've got three kids and they're all at the the sports age and the cheerleading age so I basically just transitioned from my fighting uh to uh took all all the time that I did fighting and moved that into game streaming that's awesome I love it are you still um are you still training any sort of martial arts or are you kind of uh kind of just doing the gaming essentially like full-time around uh like you know around parenting and life and whatnot I mean, yeah, I have a full-time job. I work for automotive interior experts, and I do alloy wheel repair, so I do that most of the time. I'm only able to stream about 16 hours a week, which sounds like a lot, but when you look at the grand scheme of things, a lot of these streamers, they stream 16 hours in two days. So uh, what I'm getting in in a week's time, they're doing in just a couple of days. So, um, But, I mean... Yes, I did just move and do that full time um, other than, you know, the family and the work thing. But yes, I, I focus a lot of my time to uh, to do the streaming because you got to put in the time to try to make it. And uh, I'm definitely putting in that time. So what's like a like a, a gaming stream setup like? Like what do you what all do you have to have? Do you use a console? Do you use a computer? And then um, like as far as like cameras, like what is the what is the equipment, I guess? Well, when I first started out, I just streamed through my Xbox because a lot of Xboxes now, because that's what I mostly game on is uh, is the Xbox. You could stream from your Xbox to like Twitch and Mixer, um, but you could only do one at a time. And it was, um, you know, you couldn't do a lot with it. Like uh, uh, if you want to put like what I call overlays, a lot of people don't probably don't know what that is. That's just stuff over top of your screen that helps it enhance it basically. So like I have images, um, I have my camera, which is an overlay in itself. Um, just stuff that keeps people entertained and keeps them interacting with the stream. Um, so. Um, so you said you're streaming about 16 hours a week. Is it around like the same game or do you have like a rotation of games that you, uh, like that you stick with or do you try to mix it up and 
Well, there's there's two games that I stay with mainly. You do want to stay with, uh, you want to keep a consistency. Um, but I mean, it, for me, with with me being ADD, uh, <laughs> I can't stay with just one game. I get tired. I get bored real easily. So there's two games that I do. I do NBA 2K20. Um, I love playing the basketball games, and I do Apex Legends, which is a battle royale, which is where they drop you in with a bunch of people. You got to find your loot and be the last man standing. Um, so those are the two main games I play and uh, stream. But I'm always looking to do, uh, like on Saturdays, if I'm able to stream, I have a single-player Saturday uh, just where I go through campaigns of games and stuff like that and give people tips and uh, things. I don't get to do it every Saturday because it's not one of my regular streaming days. Um, but if I get on, I try to do like a single-player. Um, but that could be any game. I've played a, a – but those are my two main games, Apex Legends and NBA 2K, even though I may branch off and do some other games, you know, down the road. That is super cool. Um, you're you're a pretty big NBA fan, right? You're a you're a Lakers fan, if I remember correctly. Is that is that right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm a big Lakers fan. I've been a Lakers fan since I was a little kid. Uh, not to get confused with a LeBron fan, because a lot of people now are not Lakers fans; they're just <laughs> LeBron fans. But uh, I've uh, since I was a little kid, I you know grew up on people like uh, Eddie Jones and uh, Nick Van Axel and Glenn Rice and uh, Lottie Devots and a lot of the early people. Um, even Magic later in his career, I got to see uh, see him play. So, but yeah, I'm a I love basketball. I think it's uh, uh, a really great sport, and I'm getting more and more to it every day. Uh, but yeah, I, I really like basketball. You uh, you don't get into LeBron. You didn't you didn't like the move. Um, I didn't. I felt like the Lakers uh, sold their soul to be good again, which I, I don't know if you follow basketball, but there for like four or five years, the Lakers were just terrible. Like oh, I, I they were, the, yeah, they were just the laughing stock of the league um, and things like that. So I've kind of felt like they were uh, selling their soul. And I'm not a big LeBron fan. I've, I mean, just just my personal opinion, the way I've seen him play, he's quit on plays, and I didn't, I didn't want that in, in, with my team. Um, but then again, he did make L.A. Laker basketball exciting to watch again, so I can't be too mad. Um, but at first, I was really against the move. It's growing on me more and more every day. But yeah, I still feel like they kind of sold their soul to the devil to try to try to win a championship. Yeah. I, uh... See, I'm kind of like you. I, I didn't like the move to, to L.A. at all because I really liked him with Cleveland, and, and I thought that they had like a really good, almost like a family uh, aspect going on. But I really like how L.A. is such a young team, and now they have LeBron who's kind of like – it's kind of like he's their uh, – like he's like their sensei in a way, you know? He is. He is. He kind of leads the team and, and, and shows, them, shows them the way, but – um, at the same time, um, I don't I don't know how LeBron is behind the scenes because obviously I don't know him. You know, I just see what I see on the court. Um, and you know, sometimes his leadership, in my opinion, can be questionable. Um, but you know, I like I said, I don't know him. Um, but I hope he leads. Uh, you know, puts in some uh, good stepping stones for the future. Uh, like Kyle Kuzma, hope he uh, you know does good with him, teaching him because he's taking a liking to him as well. And a lot of the young guys on the team that are going to be the future of the team. I just hope he helps them, you know, sustain greatness over a period of time instead of coming in and that's it. I'm out, you know? No, I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, the, the LeBron Anthony Davis, um, like duo is pretty sweet to watch. Dude. I, I love Kyle Kuzma. I, um, I'm like the number one Kyle Kuzma guy, even though like the Lakers aren't my team. Like, 
I, I do follow him. He's a good kid, man. And I, I like LeBron, like, outside of playing, like, like him doing the, you know, all the stuff he does for, for charity and, and the schools and all that. But, yeah, man, I wasn't, I wasn't keen on the, on the LeBron to L.A. thing, but I'm, I'm like you, man. It's kind of growing on me a little bit. I mean, he like I said, he's making it exciting to watch uh, L.A. basketball. And, I mean, you know for years it, it wasn't exciting. We was getting beat left and right. I mean, I, I there was a few seasons I didn't even watch because I knew what it was going to be. So, um, it kind of hurt my – I'm not going to say my love for basketball, but it kind of hurt my viewership towards the NBA because uh, I didn't watch it because my team was terrible. Um, kind of the same way with uh, football, you know, or any sport in general. If your team's not good – you generally don't want to watch that sport. <laughs> no, I'm I'm right there with you. That's what's so hard about being a Jaguars fan is like, like we got Gardner Minshew this year and he was doing so great, and then um, they just kind of like they took him like they took him uh, off the field. They put him on the bench and they played Nick Foles. Man, it's kind of hard to pull for for Nick Foles when the whole team is curved, but the whole whole fan base has kind of gotten behind this one guy. And you're you're right. It really makes you not want to watch. Yeah, I can understand that. I mean, I'm a I'm a Steelers fan myself, and we've we've had a a rough year um, this year with just injury after injury. But um, yeah, you get behind somebody like that, and then they wanna they wanna change it out. Which Nick Foles, let's let's not kid ourselves. He's a good quarterback. He's a really good quarterback. So, but you know, you build it up to be behind this one person, then bring in somebody else. It kind of hurts the people that have gotten behind that person. Um, like with me, like I, I really like Delvin Hodges with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, he's a he's a rookie, he's an undrafted rookie, and nobody else seems to like him. My dad doesn't like him, but I, I seem to like him really good. But when they take him out and put Mason Rudolph in, well, then I'm like, well, I don't want to watch Mason Rudolph play at quarterback. I want to watch Delvin Hodges, you know. So I can understand where you're coming from. I mean, it's it's been a rough season for the Steelers. They're, I mean, they're actually playing right now. Uh, fighting for their playoff hopes. If they win and the Titans lose, then they get to play in the playoffs. But it's uh, it's looking a little, little grim. So I asked the very first podcast guest I ever had, I asked him how he felt about the Mason Rudolph situation. Um, he wasn't a Steelers fan either. He's just a big football fan. Since you are a Steelers fan, how did you uh, – like what did you make of that situation where uh, that, that little fight broke out? Well, I mean, Miles Garrett, he definitely overreacted. He definitely should have been suspended the rest of the year because you, you don't take a man's helmet and hit it. But Mason Rudolph instigated a lot of that. Like, I, I'm a Steelers fan, you know. I No, I don't like – I'm not a particular Mason Rudolph fan, but he instigated a lot of that. Like, uh, Miles Garrett took him down when he shouldn't have, okay. I, I don't – I think Miles Garrett – tackled him when he shouldn't have he should have pulled up he laid every bit of his weight on him that would make me mad too but with the extent that mason did he tried to rip miles garrett's helmet off which was not really talked about but he tried to rip his helmet off first he just couldn't do it so that's when miles garrett was like oh you want to rip my helmet off i'm gonna rip yours off and then he actually got up and went back after miles garrett so i feel like mason instigated that a lot um, and to be honest, I think it was part of the reason why he got benched. Nobody ever said anything about it, but he actually got benched the next week, and they put Delvin Hodges in, and I think that had something to do with it. It might have not been the full the full reason why, but, yeah, I think uh, I think it definitely had some, uh, some uh, 
Yeah, something something to something to do with it. Are you still following uh, MMA or UFC, Bellator, anything like that? Oh yes, sir. I watched the Fedor Emelianenko Rampage fight. I'm gonna tell you right now, the Rampage was fat. Like, why? Why would you come in to fight Fedor Emelianenko? I don't care how old he is. Why would you come in to fight Fedor Emelianenko? And it doesn't look like you've trained a month. I mean, he literally did. He looked so out of shape, dude. So out of shape. I was telling my cousin late last night, I said, man, you've got to watch Rampage's hands because he's been training with, uh, he was training with uh, Sam Calavitas, TJ Dillashaw's coach, and uh, at the training lab or whatever. And I was telling my cousin, I was like, yo, Rampage, like that might have been exactly what he needed. Man, he got absolutely starched. Like there's no, no ifs, ands, or buts. He did. That was absolutely insane, man. I, yeah, I, yeah, I like I, 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 I he threw like three punches that whole fight, and they were some of the most awkward punches I've ever seen Rampage ever throw. And I think it was because he was so fat. Like to be honest, and Rampage is one of my favorite fighters of all times. Like I go back to the pride days of him and Vanderlei Silva, and you know, like he's one of my favorite fighters. Like to be honest, but so is Fedor. So I was kind of torn last night. But for him to look as bad as he did, I'd love to see him drop down to two hundred five. See if he still got it. Or if he don't, um, but he he definitely got starched last night. Yeah, that was a shame, man. And he he came in at two sixty five. They said he had to cut weight to, to like to make the allowance. Like that's so crazy. Like who would be okay with letting your fighter go in that out of shape, or maybe not even that out of shape, but that big, you know? Well, think about it. He probably walks around like that all the time. He probably walks around about two seventy five all the time, you know, because he's a big dude, and he cuts down to two oh five, like. Wow, that just speaks to what to how much he cut down because he was a beast at 205, man, and I understand why he was now because he walks around at like 270, 275. How you lose 70 pounds in a even in a 6-week span to uh uh to to fight is beyond me and and the damage and reparations that it does to your body, man, like Wow, like what repercussions do you think he's going to have later in life where he cut down to 205? I mean, he might not have none. He might have did it smart, but, I mean, I feel like that just breaks your body down. That's why I didn't never cut that much when I was fighting. I only cut, like, maybe 20 pounds at the most um, just just for that reason. I didn't I didn't want to have all the troubles growing up um, and, and things like that, so. Yeah, I'm not. I don't know, man. I, I used to cut weight when I was wrestling. Like, I used to cut weight hardcore. And uh, now, like, I, I used to be not, like, the tallest guy in the world. But, like, like for my age, like, I was always pretty tall and, like, pretty lean. And then around the time I started cutting weight, like, it's like my body stopped growing. So I don't know if it's, like, like I don't know if that stunts your growth or anything. I always heard that, like, growing up. But it's definitely not good for you man and especially like being that dehydrated for that amount of time like like it's it's not good for your brain you know and no, it can't be and, and, no and then so he he goes out there and he gets absolutely starched because he's too slow at uh at heavyweight but i'm honestly kind of thinking the rampage's career might be over man maybe feed him a can and let him get a knockout and then kind of call it done you know well, I mean, you know, he had that fight, that rematch with Vanderlei with Bellator, and he ended up knocking him out. And he had a he had another fight with somebody else and ended up knocking him out. Um, so, I mean, he had a couple fights where he was doing pretty good. I mean, but you, it doesn't matter how old somebody gets. Their IQ of fighting, does. I don't think it ever goes away, unless they just 
get dementia and they forget everything that they know. I mean, Fedor's been fighting so long, it's a second nature to him. Like, he... That man, he is just a beast. I mean, I ain't never seen a man... I mean, how old is he? I don't even know how old he is. Honestly, I think he's in his 40s. I would have really have loved to have seen him um, in the UFC, and especially um, maybe like five to ten years ago. Yeah, he's 43. I just I just looked it up. But just four or five years ago, I would have loved to have seen how he stacked up against Cain Velasquez, um, even Stipe or DC. I mean, we've seen he, how he stacked up against... Uh, uh, Gosh, who was it? it uh, who held the Who held the belt at, at heavyweight before Stipe? Daniel Cormier. Uh, before no. Daniel Cormier and Stipe, um, I want to say it was Dos Santos. I don't really remember, but I think it was Dos Santos. No, it's Verdum, and Verdum beat Fedor, and so did Daniel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't. Yeah, know. yeah, yeah. He did. Yeah, I don't know. I I would have really liked to have had a prime Fedor in the UFC, but. Damn, man. My personal opinion, my personal opinion is I think he would have done just as well. I mean, because granted, they didn't have the talent that the UFC had, but when he was rolling through people, he was rolling through a prime Noguera. He was rolling through a prime Co-Cop, which he didn't roll through them, but he beat all of them, you know? He was fighting all these top. They had great. He beat. Uh, who else was the top guy that he beat down there? I mean, Krokop and Nogara are the the two that I mostly think of. But I mean, at the time, at that time, Pride was where it was at. That's where everybody wanted to fight was Pride. Now, granted, you know, UFC had Chuck Liddell, uh, Tito Ortiz. But if you if you remember correctly, UFC took their fighters over to Pride, and you know what happened? They got their ass stomped. Uh, Rampage knocked out Chuck Liddell. Um, I don't remember none of the other fights, but that was the main fight that I remember. And Chuck Liddell, this was a prime Chuck Liddell. I'm talking about the Chuck Liddell that was just knocking out everybody. Yeah, and Fedor beat And he goes over to Pride and gets knocked out. Fedor beat Prime Coleman and Randleman, too. I mean, he didn't fight slouches, that's for sure. Facts. I, no, no, no. And, I mean, he had been in tough spots in those fights. Like when Kevin Randleman dropped him on his head, you can't be in a more tougher spot than that. And there was actually one uh, he was fighting this Japanese guy, a Japanese guy I'd never even heard of, and the Japanese guy, like, hit him in the face, and he kind of, like, ducked down, but he was still able to come back and win that fight. That is the stuff I think about. I don't care that it, was, it wasn't Randy Couture or Tim Sylvia, because at the time, those were the big heavyweights in the UFC. I feel like he would have done just as good. I think he would have been just as dominant, and he would still be considered the best ever. Do you uh, do you consider Fedor the best ever? Or do you, do I do. You, yeah. I do. I, I consider him the best heavyweight. I mean, at heavyweight, there's nobody to ever, ever. Now, as pound for pound, it's kind of hard to say because he's been beat. Now, granted, he's been beat later on in his career, but um, – to be the top heavyweight, I mean, when you look at all the names he's beaten, it's kind of hard to not put him up there, you know? Mm -hmm. no, I'm, I'm right there with you. It, even pound for pound all time, like, he's he's up maybe top five for me, but I think my number, Easy. One, my number one of all time has to be John Jones. 100%. I mean... It's just there's so much controversy surrounding him, you know? Like, I can't give him that. Like, yes, he's beat everybody that's put in front of him, but what does he use to beat him with? You know, like, uh, now nah, I can't say because I don't know and I wasn't there. I can only speculate. But once you get that, 
you know, hey, you you've cheated before. You've you've worked the system before. You 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 don't get past that. Like T.J. Dillashaw thinks he's going to work past all that. He ain't never going to work past being called a cheater and be getting caught cheating. You just you're never going to get past. At least for me, man, I I feel like once you cheat, you you're always going to look for a way to cheat. Um, but I mean. Different people look at those different ways. I just, it's hard for me. Yeah, he's great. I have no, I have no problem saying he's a great fighter. But when you've had that much controversy to, uh, you know, behind your name, I mean, it's just, it's tough for me. It's tough for me to give that person that call uh, when they've had so much shit go wrong in their career, which I'm not saying everybody's perfect, but I mean, it, it wasn't just one fight, you know, it was multiple fights that, he's he's been in question for so it's it's just hard for me personally somebody who's never taken anything i've never taken testosterone i've never taken the i think the only time i ever taken steroids was when i got real real sick when i was like eight years old and they had to give me steroid you know medicine steroids other than that i ain't never taken anything man and and for when somebody does that they just automatically get a uh, an x in my book just because I understand that you're on a different level than what I was on, but f f it just sucks for the people who did it legit, you know? Like Chuck Liddell, I don't think he ever took a steroid a day in his life, but he got destroyed by people who did. Mm -hmm. Vitor Belford, you know what I mean? Like, it's just not fair. It's not fair to the people that don't take it. But um, but then again, you know, you could make the argument, let's just give it to them. Let's give every athlete steroids. I mean, then, then what? They're, then they're on a level playing field. But um, you'd run into the risk of even it being even more um, hurtful to the fighter. On top of them cutting weight and all this, and we're giving them, you know, test or whatever it is, or uh, what's what's the big one now, tenon ball or whatever. I don't I don't know how to pronounce. Like I said, I don't I don't know nothing about them because. Uh, but yeah, that's just it's hard to give that person that nod for me when they've had so much you know, stuff go on behind the scenes. And that's like, that's a fairly common thing when you talk about John Jones is everybody's, they're either, um, like they look at it two different ways. So they look at it the way that you're looking at it, which is also, I just want to point out, like I look at it the same way. Like if you cheat once, like in my mind, like your legacy's kind of staying. Like, like going into that, uh, that Henry Cejudo fight, TJ Dillashaw was my favorite fighter. 125%. Like that was my guy. I rode behind him twice for Cody Garbrandt. Um, before that, uh, I thought he beat Dom Cruz, honestly, in that, that five-round decision. But then after that, you kind of look at these guys different. But then in John's, um, like in John's case, like it's a little bit different because as far as I know, um, and I just go off like like what Joe Rogan um, and the, uh, what's the golden snitch's name, Jeff Nowitzki or whatever, I'm going off like what they said. Mm -hmm. Apparently... John's failed tests have explanations behind them, which I don't know, like how accurate that truly is. Um, if if John didn't cheat, one hundred percent, that's that's the greatest fighter of all time. But as a martial artist, and like I trained with you, and and even training with you for the the short amount of time I did, like like I've been around to gyms, like multiple gyms, and it's not just in the gym that me and you are in, but it's in gyms everywhere, like. When you're a martial artist, you should have a certain code about you on how to handle yourself outside of the gym. And that's where that's where the John stuff kind of bothers me is because he's not always conducted himself um, up to, like, that warrior's code kind of, you know? And that's what kind of bums me out about John. But 
as far as actual skill level, I mean, if not John, then you've got to give it to GSP or Anderson Silva. I mean, guys who are excellent strikers and can take you to the ground and control the fight wherever it goes, you know. And with Silva, with Silva, with I'm sorry, um, with Silva, he got so good on the feet, people forgot that he would he would submit you, such as like you know, Shel Sonnen in the the fifth round, and GSP. GSP has good missions under his belt, and, and he trains at uh Henzo Gracie in New York with uh with uh John Donaher. So that's to be like the best fighter in the world, you have to have stand up and ground game and that's why I, I put John at number one I'd probably put Anderson Silva at two even though Anderson's legacy is t- uh, tainted too then uh, Demetrius Johnson or, or GSP at three and four and then Fedor at number five because Fedor has Fedor actually submitted Randleman didn't he he did he did yeah so that's just kind of I, I like John as a fighter like I will always tune into every single fight John does and here lately, like, I see that he's been posted on Twitter about, like, Christianity, and, and he's, uh, like, a born-again Christian. Like, if he if he conducts himself better outside of the octagon, I have no problem being the number one John Jones fan in the world, you know? But it's just I understand, yeah. And his skill, like you were saying, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but like you were saying, skill set-wise, I mean, it's hard, it's hard to... It's hard to deny him being the greatest because his skill set is just there. I mean, he can he can he's probably one of the best strikers I've seen. He's got I mean, we don't really get to see him take people down, but he can do it. You know what I mean? Like he he doesn't have to because his stand up is so superior to most people. Um, I think I think the moment I realized he was probably one of the best was when he uh, choked out. Uh, uh, was that Machida or Shogun? He just like had him up against the cage and let him go, and he just crumpled. When I seen that dude, man, I was like, dude, this dude is legit, man. Like, I just I mean, skill wise, he is he is probably the best fighter um, to to ever grace us, but. I still think Fedor would knock him out in within a round. Just to be honest with you. Now, granted, he can't kick the way John Jones can. He can't. But we all know that Fedor will walk through eight punches just to hit you with one bomb, and he will eat every bit of them. You know what I mean? Like that's what his problem is now. He's so he's older. His chin's kind of gone. He's tried to go through that a couple of times, and he's gotten caught with Bigfoot, with Verdum, uh, with a lot of them. I mean, he's just gotten caught trying to go in and be this tough guy, and he's just not that tough. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say he's not that tough. He just, I don't think he's got the chin durability he once had. Um, I think that shit goes, the more you get hit in the chin, it's just, it's like taking hit points off of a, off of a monster in a video game. You know, you, you, you uh, may do, you may win the battle, but they, they've taken hit points off of you. Well, you don't get those hit points back on your chin, man. Once you take those hit points away, it's gone. Chuck Liddell's a prime example of that. He was the greatest, one of the greatest, and then he got knocked. Who was it he got knocked out by? Rashad Evans. Yeah, that knockout after Rashad Evans, man, he just wasn't the same. He lost his chin, and then somebody touched him. Boom, knocked out, you know? So it's just... Fedor's not is going through the same thing, but I, I still think Fedor would beat him. I don't. I may be wrong for that, but I, I do. I really think Fedor would beat John Jones, a prime John Jones, and a prime Fedor. It would definitely be a fight I'd want to see for sure. <laughs> Let me ask you this: so this is like my all-time favorite like fantasy fight. Who do you think would win between Silva and, and GSP? You think GSP could control him on the ground, or you think Silva would uh, would knock him out? 
That's a tough one. I I think Silva would knock him out just because you know me. We you know me. I'm I'm not a real ground guy myself. You know I. I if he could keep GSP from taking him down without a doubt, he would beat him, without a doubt. But if GSP was able to take him down at will, then he wouldn't stand a chance because he'd just take him down and just lay on top of him, you know? So um, I, I think Silva would get the nod, but I always go for the stand-up guy over the wrestling guy just because of where we come from. You know, we're stand-up. I'm a stand-up guy. I don't know about you, where you've went, you know, since you've moved, if you've moved towards the jiu-jitsu. But you used to be a stand-up guy. You used to love the, the kicking and the punching and, and all that. So oh, that's I where I'm do. at. That, <laughs> good, good, good. Yeah, no, I still I, – I love it, man. I Like, I really like jiu-jitsu. And, uh, like, I, I try hard to learn. But where I wrestled for such a long time um, – like when I first started training, like you guys were like a striking school, um, so I could just use striking and wrestling. Like I never really had to rely on like BJJ. And then once I started, uh, like once I actually got into it, like I got into a hardcore. And like I fell in love with it. But now I'm with you. I always, I always want to pull for the striker against a, uh, like a submission expert. When it comes down to like a wrestler versus a boxer kind of deal, like I kind of lean more toward the wrestler just because I've, yeah, I wrestled my whole life and and. Uh, I think if you can take somebody to the ground without getting hurt, essentially the fight, like the fight's kind of in your hands. You can essentially take it wherever you want. But there are some really good stand-up guys with really good takedown defense, like uh, Lorenz Larkin over the uh, last night. Did you did you watch his fight? I did. I did. I watched his fight. Yeah, that was a good fight, and he had really good takedown defense too. To the point where, even though he was fighting uh, like a submission expert, like he still controlled the fight everywhere it went. Um, yeah, he did. If you, I think if you put a really good grappler against a guy like MVP, you know, because we've not really got to see MVP's takedown defense so far, you know, if his if your takedown defense isn't good, like like that's gonna be a long fifteen minutes or, or twenty five minutes, depending on whether it's a championship fight or or not. Um, I think when it comes to Sylvan GSP, though, man, God, that is a tough fight. That's certainly. That's it's a, certainly that, that'd be yeah, it's a tough fight to call. It's a tough fight. If it went to the judges, it'd probably be a tough fight to judge because they're so even. Like the way I look at GSP as a wrestler is how I look at Anderson Silva as a uh, uh, a striker. I mean, I think that in uh, their respective, no, but they can't be touched. Like GSP was. Um, I don't think anybody ever – Matt Hughes was the best wrestler, and GSP literally dominated him at wrestling. I mean literally dominated him. Now, he granted, he was older, but still yet, GSP did – I mean, he was still at his prom when GSP beat him, you know? And uh, But I, I, I look at that the same way as, um, you know, a, the wrestler versus a grappler, whoever can get into and can, you know – impose their game plan is the one who's going to win the fight you but you know that as well so do you um so it's kind of random but do you play the ea sports ufc games i do i do i don't really stream them because i'm not as good as i used to be uh at them um but i do like to play them um they are uh they're good games um I tend to be a little bit better at them because, you know, wherever I fall, I, I know how to set up combos, and it actually helps you in the game. Um, that's why, like, if you were in the Army and, you know, you know about uh, strategic uh, or warfare, then you're going to be better at games like Call of Duty, um, better at games, Battlefield, stuff like that, just shooter games because, you, you know, you're used to it. 
Um, so I think the same way with the the UFC games. If you're a fighter, you're going to be better at those games because you know fighting. You know how to set up your stuff in the game. If you know how to push the buttons on the game to set up your combos like you do in real life, it's super beneficial. So, um, but yeah, I, I I love the UFC games. They're they're a lot of fun. They fell they fell off for me a little bit from from last year to this year. I don't like this year's game as much as I did last the last game that they had. I shouldn't say this year and last year because they, they do theirs on a two-year interval. They only release a UFC game every two years, which I like because I feel like releasing a game every year is just ridiculous. Like, it's it's just you don't have enough time to grind. Like, NBA 2K, Madden, um, you know, those games come out every year. And, I mean, you you only have a year to grind. And then once that, it's it's done. The game's done. you got to start all over on a new game, you know. Um, so I, that's what I like about the UFC games. They only come out every couple of years. They just do roster uh, updates and stuff like that. Um, but they're put together very well. They got the same people that made the wrestling games um, back in the day. Like I don't think they're called THQ anymore. Um, but people like THQ and 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 uh, people like that who made the the WCW versus NWO. A lot of them help make their UFC game. Um, and you can really tell because I loved those game, those wrestling games growing up as a kid, and I loved the the fighting games. So I uh, I realized the other day, and I actually tweeted about it. The UFC featherweight champion Alexander Volkanovsky is not a playable character on the uh, on the EA Sports uh, yeah EA UFC three or whatever. Like that's so crazy. That fighting changes so rapidly, like little stuff like that kind of shows you just how far the game has changed. But then now, like if you get on YouTube and like I watch a lot of the UFC stuff on YouTube, like I watch a lot of the highlights, I watch all the interviews. Um, they're doing like this this decade in review. Like, have you noticed like how much fighting has actually changed from when BJ Penn and and GSP and Silver were the champs until now? Like it's it's absolutely night and day. Oh yeah, without a doubt. But you got to look at the just martial arts in general, how much it blew up. Now, granted, it was big when we were growing up, but it was more karate stuff. You know, I never even heard of Brazilian jiu-jitsu until I watched the first UFC and we saw Hoist Gracie do what he did. Um, but growing up, I mean, there wasn't a lot of uh, opportunities other than karate. So I think I think the boom with that was the boom in uh, all the other mixed martial arts. Uh, and then finally, these people who did train were like, okay, now I've got something I can do. Um, I don't. This ain't just it for me. I can go on to the next level. So I feel like, and also just training regimens. I think helped. Training regimens have you know vastly changed since back in the day uh the way we know how our bodies operate we know a lot more today about cutting weight and trying to keep uh so i think a lot of that is all contributing factors of factors of why the game why mma blew up so big and how why it's changed so much uh because you've got people now that are old enough to be like they were born to do this like you know when i was when it when it hit I, I didn't know it was going to hit. You know, we wasn't born, and then there was this thing called UFC for us to do. Um, but now people are being born be like, all right, I'm going to breed this kid just, just to fight. I'm going to just make him a fighter, and he can do it his whole life. You know what I mean? Um, so I think that also helps, too. Like, it already being an established league um, and people and it being something people want to shoot for. Um, so I think uh, how long has it been? It was what ninety, I want to say ninety three, ninety six. I can't remember. I think it was ni- ninety three, wasn't it? So I was I was eight years old. 
So it's it's changed a lot, but I think a lot of that's you know due to the stuff outside of fighting as well. Um, you know, just with training regimens and knowing how we how we get better and what to get better at. Because I mean, we didn't know everybody wanted to be a stand up guy back in the day until Hoist you know came around showed hey well you can have all the stand up in the world but if you can't do nothing on the ground you're gonna get beat every time so it made people switch up their training regimens to get better at other opportunities now we know hey you need to have a good ground game or you're not going to be any good you know this has been proven and we didn't have that once before so i think that that also is a contributing factor factor no, I, th I think you're i think you're on to it right there um, and fights happen too and you see like when guys like Khabib come into into play, like it feels like everybody in that division's um, it's like their goals kind of switch. You know, they they move away from just just being strikers to now they have to they have to uh, have a certain level of takedown defense and they've got to have a certain knowledge of of uh, ground game. I remember like two years ago I did a jiu-jitsu tournament and uh, it was you know pretty pretty cut and dry stuff but then i watch like a lot of jiu-jitsu tournaments now and it's like nothing but like leg locks and and heel hooks and stuff like that even just little things like that just change so quick and that's what's so cool about mma is it's ever developing you know and uh i think with the more with the more studies you do on like cte and like like the damage that getting hit in the brain over and over and over um i think it's gonna change even further you know and I think I, and I think it, I think you're right too. I think you're on to something. Uh, I seen a I seen a post the other day about Frank Trigg being a referee and how this fighter was thanking Frank Trigg because he had you know he probably saved him from so much uh, you know brain damage or whatever. That that's another thing that's going to make it better and probably make it safer for fighters because now we're getting into the point where we can rely on former fighters. Where when we first started, we didn't have that. We didn't have people that had fought before or been in this organization or been in this sport and know what it's like to be in that situation. Um, I think it's only get better because somebody was on to it. I think that it should only be former fighters who judge fights and referee fights. That's it. Either that or you need to be in the game like John McCarthy. Like I'd be fine with John McCarthy refereing my fight because he's been in the game for so long. He knows what to look for. He knows, you know what I mean? I would much prefer have somebody who's been in my shoes um, that knows what it's like and uh, uh, can save me and can see when it, when stuff is going bad and stop the fight at the right time. Um, so I think it, I think that's going to also help the sport, uh, you know, make it safer for fighters. Um, because we're, the fights are probably going to get stopped sooner, um, but I'm okay with that. I'm okay with early stoppages. I really am, especially being a fighter. I know people hate them, um, but like, uh, what was what was the last uh, stoppage that we had? It was people said it was kind of early. Um, it was a big fight too. Um, well, uh, uh, you take, uh, you take like uh, Kevin Lee and Michael Chiesa, right? So Kevin Lee had Michael Chiesa in a, in a rear naked choke, and uh, I think it was Yamasaki stopped that fight. And so, a lot of, you know, it might have been an early stoppage. Mike might have went out and truly not known. And the same thing with Ben Askren and, uh, and Robbie Lawler. You know, Robbie might have went out for a second and not known. But what people don't realize is being choked unconscious still hurts your brain just as much as being punched in the face. And so... Yeah, early, facts. Yeah, so early stoppages, like, I'm 100%, I'm with you. I'm 100% okay with seeing a fight get stopped early than letting somebody risk getting unnecessary damage. I'm all for fighting, and I, I love fighting, 
I watch fighting. Uh, I mean, let's say out of a have an eight-hour day uh, that I'm at work. Even let's say that I'm thinking about fights, and I'm on my lunch break, like I'm watching fights, and then I get home, and if I'm not training at the gym, like like me and my wife are watching fights. Like fighting is a huge part of our lives. And I'm with you. I'm 100% with seeing a fight get stopped early rather than seeing somebody get hurt. Because as much as I love fighting, I also love athlete safety just as much. I think the fight you're referring to is uh, Kamaru and Colby, right? I believe so, yeah. Well, no, no, I mean, um, yeah, like he was out. Yeah, that's the fight. The Usman and and, uh, Colby Covington fight, that's the fight I'm thinking about. Yeah, I mean, he was done. Like, don't don't let that man take – I understand he's a fighter. He wasn't all the way out, but he was done. There was – I mean – Minus a miracle, he was going to lose that fight, and 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 Usman was just going to keep hitting him. He was just going to keep taking damage. Like, I, and don't get me wrong, I like Colby. I think a lot of his stuff is a front, just like just like uh, Conor McGregor. Um, that's why I love Conor McGregor. Like everybody's like, oh, I don't like him because he talks so much stuff. And I'm like, yeah, that's before the fight. Have you ever watched him after a fight? Have you ever watched him, Josh, after a fight? Oh, I'm I'm a huge Conor lover. <laughs> Like, yeah, 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 man. He's he's respectable. Yeah, yeah. Like after the fight, he's uh the the Nate Diaz. Like uh, you can go back and watch videos of him and Nate Diaz fighting, and you know that that was one of the most heated. Like we thought those guys hated. They didn't hate each other. They were selling tickets, man. Because after the fight, they got up. They were laughing. They were, dude. I think Conor McGregor uh, got up and he said, "Man, you're a hell of a fighter. You're a hell of a fighter. You're a great, dude." Blah blah blah. And that's it. You don't ever hear Conor McGregor badmouth somebody after he's beat him unless he's fighting him again. Now, if he's fighting him again, of course, he's going to do his whole spiel. But all that is front, and he did it to a T. And that, like you were talking about the greatest the greatest ever. I mean, Conor may not be skill-wise, but what he's done for the sport, we've got to list him as one of the greatest influencers for, for fighting, don't we? I mean, he has transcended the sport to so many different eyes because of the way he talks and the way he acts. Uh, so I feel like he's kind of helped the sport. Like everybody's like, oh, he's hurting the sport. He's actually helped the sport. He's branched us out into boxing. People who used to like boxing and was only boxing now like MMA because of the, the Conor McGregor Mayweather fight. Like it opened a lot of doors for people to, you know, do both avenues, uh, do boxing, do MMA. And it, it'll only make boxing better too. I mean, think about it. If you have boxers that know what they can do on the ground as well, they're going to be more confident in their standup. They're going to try different stuff. So it's going to ev- uh, uh, revolutionize stand-up in, in boxing as well, in my opinion. I think people will start standing different. Stances will be different. The way people fight will be different. Um, so, I, I mean, when you talk about – I know we're getting off uh, subject a little bit, but when you talk about, like, greatest influencers of the sport, Conor Gregors, he's got to be up there near the top. And I, I truly agree. I agree with everything you've said. I think the Conor McGregor effect was the single greatest thing that ever happened to MMA. And a lot of people are going to disagree with me and you, but but what happened was Conor brought in all these Irish fans, and then on top of that, he brought in this crowd of younger people. People like to call them casuals on, on the internet and stuff. But they brought in all these people who are putting twice the amount of eyes on our sport. And so then, when you have twice the amount of eyes, you have people such as ESPN, and you've got... Uh, uh, like Jimmy Fallon, Conan O'Brien. I think the three biggest influencers of um, 
maybe not the UFC, but maybe an MMA as a whole, were Chuck Liddell, Ronda Rousey, and Conor McGregor. Because Chuck went on Good Morning America, he went on the Today Show early, um, you know, when he was when he was the champ, and so that brought eyes to it. So then people were coming out. It was similar to the Mike Tyson effect. People, celebrities, were coming out to watch Chuck fight. So then you bring in Ronda Rousey. Ronda taught women that women can fight and they have a place in mixed martial arts. So Ronda brought all these fans over, right? So then Connor comes in and Connor brings in all these fans. It's people hate people like to hate on Ronda and say she's a sore loser and, and she's this and she's that and people want to call Connor a bad sport and, and this and that. But the UFC is literally on ESPN. Like there are pages, ESPN MA, just dedicated literally to MMA. I'm sorry, not MMA, to the UFC. And, of course, they have the PFL on there as well. But but you have to thank Connor and Ronda and, and Chuck for these big opportunities. Gina Carano is in The Mandalorian, which is potentially the biggest show of the year. And she, she's Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. I, and, and she's yeah, I, th- I agree. Yeah, yeah. Before there, a lot of people don't know. Before, I mean, like like you said, the casual fan doesn't know. Before Ronda Rousey, it was Gina Carano running through everybody. I mean, and then she got beat by Cyborg, and we never seen her again. But anyways, that's side the point. She was like the face, like, and you know, Cyborg's been around, but she's never been the face of MMA. I mean, I, you know, whether. Uh, some people say it's because she's less attractive. I don't think that's it. I really don't. I think it's the way she carries herself, to be honest with you. Um, because she seems she's, even though she's super big and she's super good, she's super quiet. Like, I don't ever hear her say anything. Like, that's, and that's not what you, that's not good for an MMA fighter as much as, you know, I, I respect people that are quiet. Like, the people that don't say nothing, I respect those people because if you can not say nothing and still sell tickets, man, you you're doing something right. People like your skill versus that. But if you, I feel like that's why she was never the face of MMA. Ronda, she talked it. You know what I mean? She talked it and she walked it. Same thing with Conor McGregor. Same thing with Chuck Liddell. Even though he didn't talk smack, he still would get out, like you said, and talk to the Today Show. Talk to talk to people about MMA and try to uh, educate them on the sport because when he was going around. It, you know, it was, all oh, y'all are just barbarians and blah, blah, blah. And he had to actually educate people, um, whereas, you know, Connor and Rhonda didn't have to do that. But you are completely 100% right. Um, uh, UFC is on ESPN today because of those three people, hands down. Like, anybody else, you're full of shit. I mean, I'm sorry. Excuse my language. I'm sorry. I probably can't use that on podcast. That's my bad. Um but uh, you're, you're, you'd be kidding yourself if, do, if you didn't think Conor McGregor helped get MMA to where it's at. I mean, it, it's just crazy because, like he said, the Conor McGregor effect, you can look at it on paper before he ever showed up, what, our average, what the average ratings were for a UFC, and then once he came through, and then after he's – well, because, you know, it's kind of after. Even though he's fighting Donald Cerrone, he's on – this is probably his last fight. I don't see Conor McGregor. His, his – uh, whiskey, I think it's a whiskey, isn't it? Is it a whiskey he makes? Yeah. So his whiskey is just selling off the shelves. Like, he doesn't have to work. He makes enough money selling whiskey. I don't even know why he's fighting Cerrone, to be honest with you. Uh, but if for you to think that he didn't transcend the sport to what it is today, you, you'd be crazy because, I mean, the eyes, like – it was just crazy the amount of press coverage that we got for the Aldo uh, McGregor fight. That was when I realized this man is, I mean, because, dude, that was what, the biggest pay-per-view ever? 
Like, it did so many pay-per-views and blah, 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 and got them some of the most money they'd ever made on a pay-per-view. That's the McGregor effect. That's him using his mouth to sell the company. And he's still doing it today. I mean, that's that's why I love him. Like, I used to hate him because he talks so much smack until I actually seen how he acted after a fight. And he's nothing but respectful. So I have nothing but respect for that man. That man makes people hate him to to uh to to further the sport maybe not his own career but he's furthering the sport and he's making it he's 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 a really big uh uh a reason why the ufc is what it is today so i just brought it up on uh on tapology for the the biggest pay-per-view buzz connor is literally in the top four right the the very first one's khabib and mcgregor the second one's diaz mcgregor two the third is diaz mcgregor one and the fourth one is is uh, is Connor and, and Eddie Alvarez, and then six was UFC 100, and then uh, or I'm sorry, five was UFC 100, and then six is Aldo versus McGregor. It's literally this man owns five of the top six biggest pay per views of all time. Like, if you're not thanking Connor McGregor, then obviously his job, his his little shtick, has kind of worked. And that's the same thing I, I feel about Colby Covington. If you don't like Colby, then obviously, um, and you know you're tuning in just to watch him get quote unquote like beat up, then the gimmick worked. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're only that's why. Why do you think wrestling is so popular? Like the WWE, because people love the gimmicks. People love the characters. People. That's why I loved wrestling. I when I was growing up, it was the it was the Attitude Era, DX and uh, Stone Cold Steve. I loved the characters, man. I could care less about the wrestling. The wrestling was good to watch. I liked to watch it, but I loved to watch what happened off, like. Uh, you know, The Rock talking about Stephanie McMahon or Stone Cold, and The Rock going back and forth like. That's that's what made wrestling in it, and we're seeing the same thing with Conor McGregor and and Colby Covington. They're 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 getting people interested by making people hate them, and it's it's I think it's good for the sport. I truly do too, man. I'm right there with you. Um, before we wrap it up, man, I do want to talk a little bit more about this gaming, and I, I know we got like super off topic. Um, use Twitch and Facebook Live, right? So how does uh how does Twitch work out? You um, like you have followers and then you just tell them you're going live or, or do random people pop in? Like, I, I just, I don't understand how it, how it works, I guess. Okay. So Twitch, it's a, it's a little bit different because you don't have pages you can share to with Facebook. You know how I get people. I just share it around to different groups, uh, to my, to my page. I get other people to share it to their personal page. That's how I get people on Facebook. Uh, but I've, I've, you know, I've been on Facebook for about a year, a little over a year now, and I've built that up. I basically took my fighting page when I stopped fighting and I converted it to my to my gaming page, um, but I only had like 500 followers. Now I'm up to like 1.7 thousand, which I've all done, you know, in the past year. I've only paid for a minimal of ads, um, but the way I get my views on Twitch is. The, there's just people surfing Twitch. Like there's, I I can share it. There's Twitch groups I can share it to to Facebook. So I, it's kind of the same way I share my Twitch stream to the Twitch groups in uh, on Facebook and try to. I use mostly Facebook to get my name out there because that's that's the biggest social media. Um, Twitch was the first one, the first game streaming uh, company to uh, 
that there was. So um, that's who I went with it at first. Um, but then I found out that I would get a lot more views and a lot more interactions through Facebook whenever they started theirs about a, two years ago. So uh, once I made that switch, uh, I just get most of my views through Facebook. I am going to try to grow my Twitch page a little bit more, but you just got to build it up like anything else. You got to get... Now, once somebody follows your channel, they'll get a notification, whether it be on their phone, uh, whether it be through Facebook, um, you know, or because they'll get one through Twitch and they'll get one through Facebook if they follow both of my pages. So um, that that's the good thing about if they go ahead and follow. But um, it's it's hard, man. It's grinding. It's going out and selling yourself because um, you're you're essentially selling yourself, basically. And uh, I just go around, tell people, hey, come out, come out to stream if you want to have a good time. I'm I'm. I'm pretty funny. I'm not that great looking, so I can't give you much to look at, but I can uh, definitely uh, ha help you have a good time because I definitely got the golden personality. I just got to get people to notice it. You know, you feel me? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm I'm looking back at, at your Facebook page right now. I mean, you you have, like, a lot of people active. Like, you have a lot of likes. You have a lot of comments. Um, do you do, like, the merch or anything, or do you do, like, giveaways and whatnot? I have done a few giveaways like uh, at the beginning of the year, like back in August, I gave away three copies of NBA 2K20, um, you know, to help drive people. Um, but a lot of that is just people that come on a, on a regular basis. Like um, a lot of people that comment are some of my usual people. Now, I ha also have what's called a Patreon page um, where you can get people to subscribe to that page and they pay like $5 a month and they get exclusive videos and stuff like that uh, that I do. Uh, but for the most part, that's just my loyal, my loyal viewers that are coming in and chatting it up and liking, um, that's just, like I said, a lot of people that come in every day. Um, and that's, that's the hard part about it. I mean, um, you've got to get out there and you've got to put in the time to grind. Um, it's not going to happen overnight. I mean, I've literally, I've literally been streaming for almost five years now. It's my fault that I haven't made it because I've switched platforms so much. Like I went two years with uh, Twitch and Mixer and YouTube. And then I was like, well, and then Facebook dropped there. So I switched from all of that. And that was basically like starting over. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's part of my prop part of it as well, but you got to stick with one platform and you got to stick with a schedule as well. Um, that's another thing, having a schedule that people know that I'm going to be live at 8 p.m. In three, two, and one. Um, before I lost you, we were talking about Facebook Live and, and how you had to essentially start over. Before you get any further into that, um, I will say that if any of my listeners go and they follow Randy's um, Facebook page and, or his Twitch, and you can screenshot that you've liked it and give me confirmation. Um, I will do a giveaway of a, uh, shit, we'll do a controller of whatever console, uh, you have. So send me the confirmation. You have my Instagram, my, uh, my Facebook, you have all my info. Send me confirmation that you've liked it and then I'll take everybody, I'll put your name in a hat essentially and then I'll just draw up one random person and send you a controller. Um, anyways, if you don't mind, I'm terribly sorry about the connection failure we just had. Um, you said you had to start all over with Facebook and you, you somewhat lost, uh, I guess you lost viewers. Well, it wasn't that I basically just essentially had to start over, um, and, and get new viewers on Facebook. Um, so I just basically did that through fight my fighting connections, um, and my work connections. I had a lot of people, you know, put me out on their Facebook and stuff like that and really just had the network, man. I had to get out and start streaming. 
Because when you stream, you've got to be either really good at the game or you've just got to be funny or have a great personality. And so I have to work at all three of those. I'm not super great. I mean, I'm, I'm good at video games. Don't get me wrong. Now, am I, am I top tier? No, because I don't get to put in the time that the top tier guys put in. They put in eight hours a day. But um, I, I, I love getting out there and just having fun with you guys and conversating. So if y'all want to come out, come on out. X Real Deal Gaming. You can find it on Twitch. Find it on Facebook. Come on out. I love it, man. I've had a really good time, man. This was this was absolutely awesome to do. Um, yes, likewise, likewise. Before you go, um, well, you, you actually did just drop your, your URL, so we already took care of that. Um, I'm dead serious. If people will go and like your Twitch from this podcast, and you'll send me on Instagram the screenshot, um, I will take everybody's name, I'll put it in a hat, and I'll do a drawing, and you'll get a free controller. Um Randy, this has been a lot of fun, man. You're going to have to do this again. Yes, I would love to do this again. This is a lot of fun. I love it. It really was, man. I could literally sit and talk about fighting, like, literally, like, nonstop. <laughs> like, it's, it's absolutely Me too. Awesome. Me too. Um, I had a great time, man. Thank you a lot for, uh, for coming on. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. And uh, I hope you have a good night, sir. Thank you. You do as well. Thank you.